The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. The mistletoe is dangling, there's jingling and there's jangling, but it all feels like bullshit to me. We buy all these presents, but still we're just peasants to the ones at the top of the tree. Rudolph and Nat Cole get shoved up your asshole as soon as it's not Halloween. We'll stampede us years to buy toys made with tears by a kid who's not even 13. Twelve days of Christmas was not enough business. The snowball gets bigger each year. Let's stop the consumption and corporate seduction and rethink the way we spread cheer. Just let me explain, my dear. Well, there's Festivus for the rest of us. We're all through with the toys and the prayer. So the rest of us, we're fed up with this. We rejoice on this day with no flair. We'll sit round the pole airing grievances. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. There's no need to bicker or argue at length. You'll get your chance in the feats of strength. So on Festivus, be adventurous. Join the rest of us, the very best of us this year. That's got topics for days, and it'll leave you in a haze. Hosted by two mother assholes that like to talk about everything news, sports, politics, pro wrestling, people jumping off buildings, taco shops, top 10 lists, and more. It's got one guy who likes to get high on a lot of grass, and the other guy who got shot in the ass. And now, here's your host of the Hitting the Marks podcast, Jargo and RBV. Thanks, MSG. Hello, ladies and gaijin, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Hitting the Marks podcast. Happy Festivus from all of us here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. I'm the aforementioned Jargo. I will be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend. He's the real RBV. Rick, happy third Festivus, man. It's me, it's me, it's that auto the beat of the V. Richard Branson Vickery, not just back again, Jarko. This is not just a, another episode. This is the episode. This, this is the mega episode of the year. This is what it's all about. 
it's the Festivus episode, but this is this is this is kind of what defines us as we've been rocking and rolling in this podcast game. I feel so much pressure when it comes to the Festivus episode every year. Like this is the hardest episode to write because I feel like it just it has to be perfect because it's Festivus. It has to be the perfect show. Well, it could absolutely be the perfect show. It could be a show about nothing. That is the beauty of Festivus. It's 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 a celebration for the rest of us. So it is what we make of it. You know, for, for our younger listeners who, who maybe for some inexplicable reason were not Seinfeld fans, you know, you didn't catch all the reruns on Fox at, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Here is a refresher. What is Festivus? I don't really celebrate Christmas. I, um, I celebrate Festivus. Feminist. Festivus. What is Festivus? It's nothing. It's a stupid holiday my father invented. It, it, it doesn't exist. Happy Festivus, Georgie. Ah! I haven't celebrated Festivus in years. What is your interest? Well, just tell me everything, huh? Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. It requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Frank, this new holiday of yours is scratching me right where I itch. Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back! I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. And now, as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. Another Festivus miracle! Until you pin me, George, Festivus is not over. Oh, please. Somebody stop this. Let's rumble! Well, happy Festivus! Happy Festivus! Happy Festivus! Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone! <laughs> it's a Festivus miracle! Rick, I love that clip. You know, I still had it from last year. It was still on my computer. I didn't even have to go find it again. It's a great explanation, and we've got it all, man. We've got the Festivus poll. We're talking, you know, what are we going to do for Festivus dinner? We've got the airing of grievances. We have an incredible segment for our feats of strength. I think we got it all covered this year. Absolutely. We've hit all the marks. And I tell you, we've got an incredible feast, holiday feast in front of us here, Jargo, in the studios. We're ready to go. Well, let's go ahead. Of course, we've got to start things off with the weekend update because, Rick, I was very, very busy over the course of the weekend. Um, I, I got ordained at three different churches, and uh, I also went and uh, got my doctorate. I am now actually a doctor. You can call me Dr. Jargo now. I am a doctor of philosophy and pop cultural studies. That's right. I even got the fucking paperwork coming. What did what, you do this weekend? We've got uh, now we we are certified. We are bona fide certified, doctored into the system. Again, that you know it's 
are we getting a pay pay increase now because of that? I, I, I guess me, I guess me by association here. You're you're the one that has the direct line to Hameen more than me, man. So you know, if you want a pay increase, you got to take it up with the Ayatollah. Well, we're gonna have to get uh, get our agent on board with that. Reach out to to HR, see what we can get rolling here. But yes, now we've got you know I, I rock and roll on Monday mornings in the locker room with the good doctor, Ted McNailer, and now I've got uh, I've got the at not Doctor Jargo. Rocking and rolling here and hitting the Marks podcast. A hell, a hell of an accomplishment there, buddy. I know, man. It took me like a good 10, 15 minutes to get everything filled out. I, it, it was really, really stressful. This, of course, you know, due to the whole controversy going on surrounding Dr. Jill Biden. And I was like, how hard is it to get a doctorate? I'm just going to go get one. So I, I went and I, I got ordained at three different churches. So in three different religions, I guess, is actually the proper terminology. Not only now do I have my universal life church uh, ministration, I also... I am now uh, a practicing pastafarian. I am a, a ordained minister at the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, and uh, I am also an ordained minister at the Church of Dudism. If uh, you have seen the Big Lebowski, you know the dude abides. There's an entire religion based on the dude, and I'm now an ordained minister because one of my friends is going to do a re-exchanging of vows, and I think we're going to have a dudism wedding. And it's actually pretty sweet. At the end, I say. You can now kiss the bride or do whatever it is you got to do. Bars over there. You know what we need here is, is we approach the new year and just into 2021, February, we're going to be approaching Valentine's Day. You know, love is in the air. It it's, a busy, it's a busy time for weddings. We're going to have to bring one in studio here. Get it out to the masses if it be at, at hittingthemarks.com over at hamimediagroup.podbean.com We've, we've got to have one on air. Exit strategy 72. Virtual weddings. We can do this, right? I mean, thanks to the coronavirus, can't I start like, you know, just marrying people over Skype? We could like stream it on Twitch and, and, you know, so that way you've got all of your witnesses and everything. I want, Is this legal? Can we do this? I mean... It's got to be about as legal as my doctorate and my ministerships. It's about as legal as anything else going on in my life. So, yeah, that, that is our goal. Reach out to us. You know, let's go ahead and make it official here. We're looking for anyone to reach out to us. Be that first couple to come on an episode of the Hitting the Marks podcast. We're, we're going to have your wedding. We're going to host it right here. Hey, and not only is Jargo going to officiate the thing for you, I'm going to go ahead and offer my services. We're going to have RBV Fitness cater that thing for you. Amazing. Amazing. It's just us giving back to you in the spirit of Festivus. Rick, over the course of the weekend, I, I really didn't do a whole lot, man, outside of, you know, go get a bunch of bullshit degrees and whatnot. Um, but I did watch Ring of Honor's final battle. Wanted to talk to you about that. And really the top three matches, Shane Taylor versus Jay Briscoe in the fight that I didn't know that I wanted to see. Jonathan Gresham and Flip Gordon. Flip Gordon going out and actually having a wrestling match instead of a bunch of high spots. That was a hell of a freaking show to watch. And then Brody King and Roosh. I mean, dude, the, this show was awesome. And, and the, the HTM rub is all over the top of the Ring of Honor card now. Uh, absolutely. It, it, you talk about making a major, uh, no pun intended here, impact for Ring of Honor upon their return. You know, let's, you know, outside of the action in the ring, you know, Bravo, a major hat tip production here. We've been rather harsh on them over the years. You know, you and I each long term, long, long term, tongue twisted there, subscribers to, you know, the Honor Club. 
and issues they've had with their streaming and all that. Uh, the production, the production here was simply incredible. You know, you've you've mentioned a couple of times you've been scratching your head over the last couple of days trying to figure out what in the world was it that the Ring of Honor did so right when we've seen so many other promotions is absolutely swing and miss in these empty arenas. So uh, there again, hat tip the Ring of Honor. Hey, it, it's almost like they didn't miss a stride, and you know for. So many fans kind of were turned off to the products and that they kind of lost their identity. I think as we look towards 2021, Ring of Honor has found the right track and I'm hooked again. I'm on board. I want to see where we go. It's really good. It's really good. Man, that Jonathan Gresham and Flip Gordon match. I, I, I was re- Flip Gordon really impressed me. I, I didn't think those are words that would ever come out of my mouth. But Flip Gordon really impressed me. He looked great in that match. I guess when you're chopping at the bit for so long, waiting to get to get out there, you've had a lot of times to you know rethink things, reinvent yourself. And, you know, from Flip Gordon all around this card, I, I thought you saw a lot of that. Shane Taylor, Jay Briscoe, is that is that Rick's match of the year? Like it wasn't even announced until the show started. But my God, it, 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 two big dudes just going out there and beating the ever loving shit out of one another. This match was fucking awesome, dude. Uh, absolutely love this thing here. How can you not get excited? You know, especially a great friend of, of the show here, Shane Taylor. But, you know, uh, what I had seen when we heard about this cancellation, you know, there, there was a lot of hype. EC3 taking on one of the Briscoes. You know, this, wow, this is going to be one of those dream matches for Ring of Honor. And there was a disappointment, you know, announced when EC3, as Briscoe would say, was out licking doorknobs, didn't want any part of him getting anything he could to get out of this. There was a bit of disappointment amongst the fans, but I think that it was quickly diminished and almost the excitement elevated when Shane Taylor stepped into this spot. Yeah, it, t- it took 30 seconds to set this matchup. Quinn McKay is backstage interviewing Jay Briscoe. Shane Taylor walks up and he's like, hey, I ain't, I ain't got a match. You ain't got a match. You want to have a fight? And Briscoe's like, yep. And I was like, fuck I, yeah, I, I'm invested. Let's I, do I, it. I, really, I, I, I love this entire thing. You got Quinn back there. You know, she's got the scoop because she knows where the the entrances and the exits are at. So she she's waiting on Briscoe to make his way in, and he thinks he's, he thinks the brothers are going to ride again. His match is canceled. He's just going to substitute himself into the the tag match. But nah, man, he, he slept on that. Sorry about your luck. And then Shane's quick to answer. I thought it was great, man. Thirty seconds, like. That's pro wrestling done right. <laughs> like, you know, I don't need a three fucking hour television show. Just give me 30 seconds of good shit. I'm all on board. Yeah. You, you kind of need those advertising dollars. Uh, I don't I don't think they could have fit a couple commercials in there. That was good. Brody King and Roosh thought that was good, too. Brody King, friend of the show, coming up a little bit short against Roosh. But, you know, Roosh has been pinned like once since he joined Ring of Honor. And it took like a car and jumper cables and PCO being inhuman and all kinds of crazy shit. Good on Brody. Good on Brody. Huckleberry, anything else you want to talk about from the weekend or should we just jump into Festivus? Hey, you know, I I took it easy. I sat back. I did do a little bit of celebrating. So, hey, how about a shout out to uh, my number one little knucklehead turning six years old over the weekend. uh, Mr. Levi Extraordinaire, my nephew. That was about the extent of my partying, man. I I filled up on La Rosa's pizza. We did some homemade uh, hoagie rolls. And, of course, he had one hell of a uh, chocolate and vanilla Mario Kart ice cream cake. He's Mario and Lego crazy at six years old. 
Most importantly, did you make him sing Happy Birthday to Me by the Vandals? We, we skipped that on that. That's not quite a, a tradition with us. Oh, so disappointing. Did you guys sing Happy Birthday? Did you sing the Super Spreader song? Absolutely. Well done. Well, done. well as with every Festivus, Festivus has to start off with a poll. And Rick, when it comes to audio form, there's only one kind of poll I know about. Girls, girls, girls. We got to talk about strippers. Hell yeah, we get stripper pulls this year for Festivus. All because of stupid California. Stupid, stupid, stupid California. A California judge ruled last Wednesday that strip clubs are exempt from the state's most recent coronavirus restrictions. Thus meaning you can't go get something to eat, but you can go and, you know, something that you know, it probably ends with meat. Rick, this is insane. The strip clubs are open. The restaurants are closed. Hell, they even closed all the Apple stores in California. But but you can still go to the club? Well, why not here? Uh, everything, you know, this is one of those things. Why, why do we have to lump everything together here? Well, those things should be open as well. Why must everyone be punished? I mean, this, this is really in many in many ways, this is the ultimate relief. This is this is the ultimate stimulus package. <laughs> and they want to take this away from their good citizens. Oh, the I, I stand, I stand, package. I stand strong and hard in support of the, the American dancer and the experience and the contributions that they make towards our society. Uh, in fact, here. Uh, on our record date, celebrating, you know, I might just got there on a celebrate Festivus with the ladies uh, just across the border here in Indiana at, at Concepts Gentlemen Club, one of my favorite places to go to. And and believe me, you know, some of the, the hardest working, dedicated, educated, just driven individuals in our society out there uh, really, really just shaking it to make it. And that isn't that the American dream. It, it, this is just insane to me. Superior Court Judge Joel Wolfell issued the preliminary injunction on the restriction in San Diego County after two strip clubs ended up suing the state of California over the restrictions. This all according to the San Diego Tribune. The injunction, which immediately took effect, applied to San Diego County businesses with restaurant service This follow, that follow safety protocols that are, quote, no greater than is essential to controlling the spread of the disease. So Rick, I, I guess the answer is we basically just turn every restaurant in California into like a go-go dancer club. 
Well, was it was it two weeks ago you're proposing we just make every restaurant a movie set? Yep, yep. You just set up a couple of iPhones, you know, that, that'll that work for the state of New York. That, that, that's cleared. Right. You, you, got, you just begin your own reality television show right there inside of, of your restaurant. That's basically operation. how Saturday Night Live is getting around the uh, restrictions, if, if you hadn't listened to that episode as of yet. And now it's everything just operates under the umbrella of a gentleman's club. Yeah. I mean, you know. It seems to work for me. We got movie sets in New York and we got strip clubs in California. It seems completely logical. But of course, the douchebag governor of California, Newsom, he's going to end up getting recalled. Like, this is a real thing. There is a petition going around. California has done it before. This dude is going to end up getting recalled. I think that's going to be a huge story because he was absolutely in the presidential line. But now Newsom is fighting back. He wants to take away your strip clubs. That would absolutely be my campaign slogan if I was running against Gavin Newsom. A single trial court judge has unilaterally thwarted public efforts to avert the looming catastrophe by issuing an injunction that allows all restaurants in San Diego County to reopen without any restriction, contrary to the orders and judgment of the state's top health officials, is what Newsom is saying. The appellate court did issue a stay, but did not offer an explanation and is required to opposition this coming Wednesday. Rick, I mean, th- this guy is such a douchebag. Not only did he close everything down the first time, we actually found a way to stay open. Now he's like, fuck you, I'm going to close all this shit. This is going on all through California. It's absolutely insane. They're saying that they don't have ICU beds for a potential 27 million Americans in Southern California, even though they're under the heaviest lockdown restrictions in the entire fucking country, thus proving the goddamn lockdowns don't work to fucking begin with. California has just completely lost its goddamn mind. Well, what I, what I think is more important here, and you know, the, the injunction being made here, uh, by the government officials is that they're claiming that these that these clubs are operating under their own COVID protection guidelines. Uh, first of all, I would say yeah, you, you've been in a few of these clubs before. I have. Uh, I, I actually used to be a DJ at a strip club. Uh, I, I was going to see if we get you to expose that bit of your business. Chorus line, Davenport, Iowa. There we go. Uh, so you know firsthand. Maybe for those that haven't been in there, these are some of the cleanest places. They are sanitizing constantly. You want to talk about politics. Washington, D.C. ain't got shit on the girls backstage. I guarantee you that. I mean, that is the most political climate I have ever seen, like, firsthand. It's insane. Well, I wonder here, you've got to, you kind of, if you're a government official, you're working with one of these agencies. You, you tread lightly, right? Uh, you most likely have some kind of skeletons in that closet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, may, maybe it's a Chinese spy by the name of Fang Fang. That's also going on in California. I don't even have that one on the fucking run. Swalwell, Jesus Christ, that fucking guy. How is he still on the intelligence committee? Like, I, I, I think he should be thrown out of fucking Congress, let alone thrown off of the intelligence committee. Uh, so it's it's simply incredible here. I mean, what what we've got operating and it, it's it's a smoke and mirror, you know. <laughs> Fucking California. You know the UK is not any better. Boris Johnson, UK Prime Minister. Yeah, we're shutting down. We're gonna cancel Christmas. 
Christmas is cancelled in the UK. We cannot continue with Christmas as planned. So evidently what's going on, there's a new strain of the coronavirus that has been found in the UK, but we have absolutely no evidence to show that it's more contagious than the strain that has already been out there. there there's nothing that shows that it's more lethal than the strain that has already been out there. There's nothing out there that shows that it is immune to the vaccine that has just been delivered. Rick, why in the fuck are we locking down the UK? Well, yeah, what we got here, he's got that B12 COVID. It's rising up. It's been, it's kind of like the super devil. You, know, you, you thought you had, you thought you had trouble there, but no, watch out. We have got the super devil on the loose. And it really seems like these just furthered scare tactics, just more BS being, being fed to their citizens and they're eating this thing up. It's like, this is the, the new holiday tradition there for them. It's their new meal just to consume as much as this bullshit is a, ultimately can uh, i will say earlier this morning i was having a conversation with my grandma about this and uh, you know all the things surrounding COVID that that have affected my family and it, it's beginning to wear on her here after you know grandpa passing and and she's had some continued health issues and it really all kind of came to the surface stemming from complications with COVID. so you know she's trying to realize what's going on but but in that old school mentality where God will will lead the way. Uh, I got a full education 101 this morning on the woes and troubles of what's happening throughout Europe. As, as she would describe, they are the uh, the modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. It's because of the lifestyles that they have chosen and, and what they partake in all the way down to their diets. The simple evil that has manifested itself inside of their culture. And, and now... The uh, the Lord, the Old Testament vengeful Lord, is it's striking down with that backhand. God, it's crazy, man. Just absolutely crazy. And you know, the, the, the part that I think is really starting to piss people off is, you know, we went along with all of this. We were told two weeks to flatten the curve like nine months ago. And then they say, OK, well, we, but we have to keep these lockdowns going because of science. And yet the head scientist, the director of the WHO, you know, the, the organization that everybody loves so much, Dr. David Nabarro, right here, he's saying these lockdowns, they don't work. And in fact, they're causing more problems than good. To say it again, uh, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of control of this virus. We may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. We may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting meals at school and their parents in poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global uh, catastrophe, actually. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders, stop using lockdown as your primary control method, develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever uh, belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. What happened to trust the science? Well, isn't this a lesson of trial and error, repeated procedure? 
before you, you know, you really cement yourself in that sound, not just the, you know, the evidence, but your the solution to the equation? I think it's little dick syndrome. I think that's what it is. I think rather than coming out and just admitting that they were wrong to lock us down in the first place, they're just doubling down on it. I think that's what's going on. I think it's I think it's little dick syndrome. Uh, I can see I I, I, I can get off board with that 100 uh, percent backpedaling at its finest yep. here. They realize a complete overreaction where they had so many spoon fed. That they were going to be these white knights that, that they were representing all that, that was that was good and righteous. And they were here to save humanity. But now that it's beginning to backfire, they're going to have a lot of questions to answer of what they have done to these economies around the world. Yep. Well, what they have just, not just, just not financially, not just physically, but mentally, the stability of these, indi- of the individuals, you know, that, that they were responsible for over, for aiding and guiding in the right direction. But Rick, they're going to give you $600. Yeah. More on that later. That's coming in the airing of grievances. Yeah, pretty pissed off about that one. But Rick, first we got to talk about something that's right up your alley. In a true RBV fitness edition of Festivus, it is time to talk about Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan. Uh, Absolutely. You you know, me and the Colonel go way back. You know, it's... You talk about a ride or die, someone that, that's tight in your crew through and through, you know, possibly maybe one of the, the, the pillars of RBB fitness right up there on, on Mount Rushmore. Got to be the Colonel. Yeah. And, I can get down with that. And is, uh, is an important is in, in my life and what that's represented that I was now able to share this, this, and I kind of turned you on to this. A culture that you're kind of engulfed in, the Japanese culture, uh, just another connection that we have here on the Hitting the Marks podcast. Well, the thing that I found so surprising about this is Japan is known more so as a, a secular nation. You know what I mean? So I didn't even figure that they really celebrated Christmas the way that you know we clearly celebrate Christmas. But, you know, who the hell am I to judge? Because, I mean, I have pizza on Christmas Eve from Pizza Hut every year. I It's been this way since I was a little freaking kid. So, I mean, I in a weird way, I kind of get this. Well, that's absolutely, it. you know, in there, it's it's their Christmas celebration. It is a, we got Christmas Niwa, Kentucky, as it's known there in the land of the rising sun. Uh, this has been going on for for generations, for decades now. 1973. Well, it's 73 is where we saw the birth of Christmas with the Colonel. Uh, but really, the, the, it, it goes even further back. Uh, the history of the connection here between the obsession with with their cultures, our culture, and and chicken, going back just after World War II. Uh, one of the the great training. Uh, trades between our two countries came from poultry and not just us sitting there. They would actually have hatcheries over there and they would deal with a lot of seed and feed. So there was a great deal of trade there. And one of the, the companies that really opened up the, 
the potential for KFC to make that that move over to Japan was the uh, Mitsubishi company. Now, I, I know that's going to sound a little bit crazy as Mitsubishi, what are you, you're thinking of? Electronics, uh, automobiles, things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, but yes, but as any major conglomerate, they, they kind of have their, their toes into many different pools. And one of those was into uh, the chicken import-export game and, and restaurants. So they had sent it back in the 60s one of their top research directors over to the United States to to meet with one of the top buyers in the chicken game, and that was Colonel Sanders, the, the KFC group. And after some negotiation, I believe after like four years of negotiation, it opened the door for KFC to make their way into Japan. And since then, uh, history in the making it's been one of the more popular American style chains that have that have gone to the land of the rising sun. And as you said, Jargo, in 73-74, in a marketing scheme, looking to play off of the the ideas of that traditional American Christmas dinner of of ham and turkey, they wanted their own bird that could represent Japan, and they found it in in the form of deep fried chicken. Well, and it's not just the chicken. I mean, over the course of December, their sales go up roughly tenfold. On on Christmas, that'll be a third of their profits for the freaking year. Like, this is a huge deal for KFC Japan. But it's these party barrels, right? And you order them in advance inside of the party barrels. Not only do you get the chicken, you also get coleslaw, you get shrimp gratin, you get a triple berry tiramisu cake, as well as the chicken. Like, this is a whole freaking platter of food, man. This thing is awesome looking. I kind of want to try one. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, this is something that you you wish. It, uh, this is, you know, was one of the highlights here. You're talking about the weekend. I guess I was saving it for this conversation here. Something I never thought that, that I would be able to come on the air and say is that I spent a good chunk of time, a couple of hours talking with representatives that actually led me to conversations with those in the offices at KFC Japan. And I I was trying to explain to them what I wanted to do. I was hoping to get somebody on from their public relations department that could really come on and, and just express, you know, what the, the magnitude of that connection between KFC and Christmas in Japan is. I think they thought I was crazy. Well, they the weren't necessarily few, wrong. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it, the first few people that I talked to here in the States, you know, just down the road in Louisville where the headquarters is at, like I was like kind of, you know, giving them this, the same, the same, you know, the, conversation the of it. Right. That, yeah. I was educating them and they were completely like, okay, this is like the craziest call is <laughs> this guy is whacked out of his mind. He's already hitting the eggnog or, or whatever the hell. It, this is completely fabricated. And then I finally got someone that somewhat understood it that put me in contact with, with the headquarters in Japan. Unfortunately, we, we couldn't get the deal done to get them on in, in the short notice. Uh, but yeah, to, to see this, simply incredible. And as you, as you said there, Jarrell, it, it is a feast. The barrel inside of itself. But again, I'm just saying if I was reaching out to them, this is something I think they should bring to the States. That diversify this. The triple berry tiramisu cake. 
That's the one that really has me intrigued. I mean, everything else you can order individually off the, the, the menu, right? But this triple berry tiramisu cake, I, I, that sounds like something that's absolutely right up my alley. Uh, yeah, I, I would say you, you'd probably want to sink your teeth into that thing. And that is, that's what we need. That, those are the kind of the, uh, the sweet treats that we need. But it is. It is, it is a feast for the holidays. Now, I know for Festivus, if you go back to the original creation of, of Festivus with the, the O'Keefe family, you know, they kind of had visioned, you know, kind of along the lines of what we already have there with, with turkey and ham. Uh, as we are recognizing the, the, the Seinfeld traditions of Festivus, they were having meatloaf. Uh, but why not? Well, there's got to be room for that deep fried bird for, uh, for the, your Festivus festivities. Well, like I said, I mean, my family always does pizza on Christmas Eve. Is there like a traditional Vickery Christmas dish? Uh, we've had quite a few. Uh, Christmas Eve, you know, for me, man, it, it, it hits it hits home. It's delicious any time of the year, but especially during the holidays. It's almost like you get a little bit of that that holiday magic in there that almost like what frosty would brought him to life, man. Cheese ball seems to taste better. You know, the Philadelphia cream cheese, the, the chip beef, you can put some jalapeno in there. You can do bacon in there, all sorts of variations. So much better during the holidays. Uh, what we've done, uh, we usually do, we do steaks at, at my grandma Vickery's. We would do those typically, uh, probably the big one though, on mom's side, it's, Almost the entire family is, I mean, straight off the boat, Romanian. So cabbage rolls, cabbage balls was always a huge thing. We haven't had them for a few years, uh, but yeah, certainly one of the things I always look forward to. Interesting. Interesting. Let's, uh, let's throw it over to Governor Newsom. Let's get a poll update. Two to the one, from the one to the three. I like good pussy and I like good trees. Smoke so much weed you wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, from the one to the three. I met a bad bitch last night in the deep. Let me tell you how I made a leave with me. Conversation and Hennessy. I've been to the motherfucking mountaintop. Heard motherfuckers talk, seen them drop. If I ain't got a weapon, I'ma pick up a rock. And when I bust your ass, I'm gonna continue to rock. Get your ass off the wall with your two left feet. It's real easy, just follow the beat. Don't let that fine girl pass you by. Look real close, cause strobe lights. We about to have a party. Turn the music. Let's get it started. Go ahead and shake it. I'm looking for a girl with a body and a sexy strut. Wanna get it poppin', baby, step right Some up. They got retarded. All right, ladies and gentlemen, come to stage three. Get those dollar bills ready. It's Candy Kane. She be giving it up. Shake that ass for me. Shake that ass for me. Come on, girl. Shake that ass for me. Shake that ass for me. Fuck. Huckleberry, this is my favorite part. It's my favorite part. It's time for the airing of grievances. You know, and I got to be honest, you know, Every week, this show is kind of like the airing of grievances for me. I mean, th this is where I come on. This is where I vent. I just happen to record it so other people can hear it. It's it's your outlet to the world, the the insight, the window to the mind that is Jargo. So here's what's pissing me off today. Fucking Congress, man. Fucking Congress. They approved this new stimulus package. Send it over to President Trump today. $600. Woohoo! Yay! $600. Lockdown for nine months. Close all the fucking shit down. 
ruin all these small businesses. But, you know, according to Nancy Pelosi, it's a significant amount of money for the, the working American people. This fucking delusional bitch. But here's what really pisses me off, Huckleberry. Jargon, before you jump in there, in her mind, for her agenda, it is a significant amount. Because, again, we keep going back to this 600 to 600 to 600. Because if you break that down to your 40-hour week, it's $15. It's such fucking horseshit, man. It is such fucking horseshit. It is an agenda-driven pile of horseshit. Now, I'm going to let you sound off on on the government. I'm going to let you sound off on, on what's what they've got you ticked off about. And I think I got another direction with this. Well, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. All right. Number one, the bill is almost 6,000 fucking pages. All right. So they give Congress like roughly two hours. Here's the bill. We're going to vote on it in two hours. 6,000 fucking pages. They didn't read the fucking bill. They just went and voted for it. Even the people like AOC who were pissed off that they only had two hours to read the bill. She still fucking voted for it, even though she was pissed off about it. And that's everything that's wrong with the American fucking system right now. These bills are so overbloated. There's so much horse shit in here. Rick, get a load of this. The Kennedy Space Center is going to get $26.5 million dollars. The Smithsonian is getting a billion dollars. The National Art Gallery is getting $154 million. National Arts and Humanities, $167 million. The W. Wilson Center, $14 million. And then get a load of this fucking shit. We're sending $1.3 billion to Egypt. $700 million to Sudan, $453 million to the fucking Ukraine, $500 million on top of the billions of dollars that we send them every year for no explicable reason to Israel, $130 million to Nepal, $135 million to Burma, $85 million to fucking Cambodia, $25 million to Pakistan. We don't even like fucking Pakistan. $1.4 billion to Asia, but the American people, you get $600. Fuck you very much, Congress. This is horseshit, man. Does anybody actually read this fucking trash? And I think this is this is where my issue comes. This is my airing of the grievance. Is this is absolutely absurd. It is freaking ridiculous, Jargo, that we are giving these handouts at, at this volume. To all of these other platforms, these other countries here. But what really grinds my gears, what really gets me worked up during this entire thing is you you go throughout social media. You go out into the real world. You you look at what the media is harping on here. And again, it's people either joking, embracing, just upset that it's at $600. They're stuck on that figure themselves. No one is actually going at these government officials for what you just listed. It is it is as if they are absolutely blind to what is happening. So the lack of understanding and education by our own citizens that are being blindly led through this thing, that is what's got me worked up. It's just insane, man. After everything that we have been through with the Ukraine over the course of the last, you know, four or five years, 
Now we're going to send them $453 million? And like I said, we don't even like fucking Pakistan. And even inside of that, when you you dive deeper into these 600 pages, where is that being uh, allowed in their spending? Where does that fit into their budget? What are their plans for these millions to billions that we are simply handing over in what we're calling a stimulus re- relief package while our own citizens, the ones that they have been not just elected, hired, they've been hired to protect that they are the ones going to work for while those individuals, our fellow citizens are suffering right now. Worried about how they're getting through these holidays. Is, is there another shutdown, lockdown, whatever looming? Or can businesses survive at all? Where is the focus and attention simply on a bill, the American people's bill, the American people's stimulus fucking package to help us out and eliminate all of this side nonsense? 600 fucking dollars. I mean, <laughs> it's... it. it it would be funny if it wasn't so fucking sad. You know what I mean? It's it's just like looking at this and just going, and and this is your perfect example of socialism in the United States and what democratic socialism would look like. Just it's not enough. It's not enough. We have to spend more money. It's not. Wait, enough. When you look at it in a grand scheme, you know, in many situations, six hundred dollars could be spread a long way, and, and that could help a lot of people. When you look at this grand scheme, though, and you see what else they're spending on here, who else is getting these relief funds, and, and you look at these it's figures, insane. it's absolutely disgusting. And, and all this does is going to is going to feed this need. That after they issue this thing, well, you know, we gave this to you and we, we were here for you. They want you to come back begging for more. Please, may I have another? Please, may I have some more? That is the driven agenda. And it's just not the left anymore. This goes just as deep to the right. Yep. This is a corrupt system throughout all in all. You actually believe, you know, they'll go, we can sit here and watch whatever channel it might be, whatever media platform or mayor mainstream media platform it might be and they might have us believe they're pitted against one another they're all going to be hobnobbing it up tipping back smoking their cigars sipping their whiskey during these christmas parties you know and that's do you think any of them are going to be abiding by these these ridiculous fucking COVID regulations no they'll probably have the party at the the dirty laundry out there in fucking california where newsom and all of his buddies get together and they go and they have these meals that are 350 dollars a plate like you know you and your wife could almost have a meal at the dirty laundry for 600 dollars that's uh they're they're gonna be as I said, you know, smoking the, their their high end stogies, sipping the, their fine whiskeys, having their their six hundred dollar dinners, and then they're going to be heading over to the 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 back door, the underground gentlemen's club. Yep. All the while kicking back and laughing their asses off because they have smacked the American citizen in the face again. Yep, it's absolutely insulting. And and you bring up a, a very valid point. And it kind of brings us into our Feats of Strength segment with our, our very special guest. And, and he hits on this a little bit inside of the interview. It, you talk about the divide in this country. And they're, they're trying to make it so black and so white. And that's not the case. 
it's really not when when you really look at things it's the economic classes it's the elites and then it's the rest of us it's the people that think that we can lock you down for nine fucking months give you six hundred dollars and all is forgiven and we can just move forward you know and we can all be unified in this battle against the coronavirus shut up slaves stay in your house while we battle this virus that we already have the vaccine for and it's just insulting And that brings us to the feats of strength. And Rick, you had a great idea because this is the hardest part every year to write on the show, because how do you do the feats of strength in audio form? It just doesn't work. And you were like, maybe we could reach out to somebody, you know? And and Well, I I, I will say this, this did top my original idea where I wasn't even going to talk during this episode. I was just going to try to eat a hundred chicken nuggets. (laughs) We were going to stream it too. Yeah. It would have been entertaining. Um, but, but you had this idea to reach out to Ring of Honor Shane Taylor, who is the strongest guy that we know and the guy with the strongest opinions. And we actually taped this interview before we started recording the rest of the inter- of this, this show. And I, I think this is just a fantastic interview. Yeah, it, it's inspiring. Uh, and I really can't wait to just listen back. Uh, I think this is probably one of the best pieces that we put together. So let's go ahead. We'll take a, a, a break from our words, our our friends over at Hami and Media, and we'll be right back on the other side with Ring of Honor, Shane Taylor. Ho, ho, happy Hameen holidays. As 2020 winds down with over 2.2 million downloads, the Hameen Army marches into 2021 with sights set on 3 million downloads and beyond. We'd like to thank you, the listeners and sponsors, for following and supporting us on all of Hameen Media Group affiliate channels as we continue to provide the very best variety of entertainment anywhere. Pro wrestling, movie reviews, TV show reviews, news, sports, conspiracy, and satire. We have everything for your listening or viewing pleasure. Add Hami Media to all your favorite audio and video platforms. iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, Twitch, and YouTube are just some of the many ways you can get your fill of all of the HMG content. And speaking of getting your fill, if you're cooking this holiday season, there's only one olive oil to use in all your delicious delectable dishes, Zordos Artisan Greek Ultra Premium Olive Oil. This olive oil is not only the perfect ingredient for your festive feast, but Zordos Olive Oil makes the perfect gift for any foodie or fan of fantastic food. Head over to Zordos oliveoil.com and taste what the term ultra premium means now after a good meal or to kickstart your morning what's better than a cup of bro bro the coffee brosters russo's brand coffee is better than your average cup of joe bro when checking out at the use the promo code bro 5lb for a special price on a five pound bag of russo's brand coffee this deal is too good to pass up on bro Did somebody say deal? Well, Stevie Richards and ForceUSA.com have a deal for you. Are you looking to build a better you? How about the best custom home gym you can imagine? ForceUSA delivers sturdy, innovative and versatile strength training equipment for home gyms and training studios alike. Enter promo code Stevie5 for a special 0% financing offer at checkout. Also check out StevieRichardsFitness.com for a fantastic affordable resistance band training program and yoga program choose from the 12 and 16 week program as well as a dynamic yoga program that will get you ready to burn off those calories after those huge holiday meals if you're interested in a band new you for 2021 and years to come 
Stevie Kick Start Your Health with Stevie Richards. Fitness.com. ProWrestlingTees.com. Celebrate all of the Hami media personalities and independent pro wrestling stars by giving the gift of or grabbing up for yourself the coolest merch any wrestling fan desires. Again, head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and support indie wrestling today. Hey, infidels. Do you want to become a Hami Media Group operative? Then follow us at Hami Media Group on Twitter and request a link to our private Discord channel. You can also find us on Facebook at Hami Media Discussion Group and interact with all of the HMG personalities as well as joining in on the fun discussions, watch-along events, and games. You can also follow us on Instagram to like, comment, and participate on all of the HMG and Conspiracy Horseman propaganda. Once again, thank you to all of the subscribers, followers, sponsors, guests, producers, and host of Hami Media as we march to 3 million downloads. All of this is possible because of you. and we are back with our very special guest. You know, Rick, we do this show every year, the Festivus episode, and I always have a hard time figuring out what to do for the test of strength. So you had an idea to reach out to this gentleman. He's the perfect guy. Not only is he the strongest guy that we know, he also has some of the strongest opinions that I read on a daily basis. So let's welcome to the show the man who not only picked a fight with Jay Briscoe this past Friday at Ring of Honor's final battle, he's the man who pinned Jay Briscoe, and in my mind, makes him the number one contender for the Ring of Honor World Championship. He is the pretty boy killer, the notorious, the baddest champ around, the founder of Shane Taylor Promotions, Mr. Shane Taylor. Shane, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, man, thank you for having me. Hell of an introduction. You know, intros with me are key. Fantastic job. Thank you for having me. That, that's the one compliment I always get when we have a guest on is that your intro was great. Makes me wonder about the rest of the interview, though. <laughs> ah, man. I mean, we started off on the right foot. Just don't fuck it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll do what I can, man. I'll do what I can. We try to. I don't know if you realize this. We try to have you on the show at least once a year. Your first appearance back in 2018, just before you, you knocked out your former tag team partner, Keith Lee, and signed with Ring of Honor. Last year, right before you would win the TV title, this year you become the number one contender. You come back on hitting the marks. Th- things are looking good, man. I mean, they Sh- Shane Taylor stock tends to be trending up right, right now. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, final final battle didn't go the way we had game planned for it, but um, what a hell of a silver lining, you know what I mean? To get in there with uh, former two-time Ring of Honor world champion, one of the best to ever do it, legend in Jay Briscoe, and to be able to not only compete, but win 
on that stage in that moment, you know, you know, I, I, I put out a tweet the other day, 2007, I was on my couch in Pittsburgh deciding if I wanted to wrestle and I was watching the Briscoes, you know what I mean? So to be standing across the ring from them at final battle and to hear the words, Shane Taylor's the real deal from them, you know, it kind of just puts everything into perspective that the way I'm going, the things that I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right path. Of course, a lot of it has changed for us here at the show as well. We are no longer primarily a pro wrestling podcast. Oh, yeah. And, and there's been this thing called the coronavirus. And more yeah. importantly, what I wanted to talk to you about was over the course of the last year, you raising your social platform to discuss a lot of the racial issues facing the country. What led you to making that decision, number one? Was that a conscious decision or was that just kind of something that organically happened? That's always been me. You know, uh, anybody that's known me knows how, how I feel when it comes to uh, racial issues, to injustices, to social issues. So having my platform really kind of just let other people know how I felt about it. Um, and I'm a firm believer in there's no way that you can lead standing in the back. You know what I mean? Um, in order to lead and do things the right way, you have to be on the front lines. You have to lead by example. And, and, and you can't be too scared to step out on that limb and let your voice be heard. Maybe it breaks, but if you don't step out and take that chance, nothing gets done, right? A lot of people are too scared, uh, and rightfully so. You know, they're, they're too scared to really let their voices be, be heard because maybe they won't get the job that they want or they'll be passed over or whatever the case is. I'm just not that guy. It's not the way I was raised. I was taught if you see something wrong, say something. You know what I mean? And that's, that's all I've been trying to do is be able to lead not only my contemporaries, but my community um, and be the guy that, you know, my, my family trained me to be. And I think that's very important because one of the, the complaints that I hear about the Black Lives Matter movement is we don't have that that leadership figure that we just immediately look to for comment when it comes to something. There, there, there's this entire cast of characters. Is, is that something that you feel is a, a responsibility of yours? Um, I think it's a responsibility that we all have. And I'm a, I'm actually not upset that there's not one person because this isn't going to be down to one person. This, this has to be a collective. This has to be a group effort. And when you look throughout history, a lot of people may be scared to take that step forward and be that leader because historically, when you do, our leaders die. You see what I'm saying? So... There's there's that fear and the fears that I mentioned previously, right? I'm I'm not one that's scared of either one of those. You know what I mean? I come from a place where death was around the corner all the time anyway. You know what I mean? And this is not, you know, anything wishing anything. This is just you, you can't be afraid. You know what I mean? If the younger generation looks at us and sees we were too scared to say anything. Why, 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 why would they speak up? What, what change happens if everybody's too afraid to say what needs, needs to be said and do what needs to be done? 
Um, I just don't subs. I don't subscribe to that ideology. And for those that want to make these issues about every other thing than what they're about, it, it just lets you know who they are and their mentalities. Because there's no room, not in society, not and not in wrestling, for the same status quo of doing shit. There's just not. It has to stop and it has to change. And I I am proud to be one of of the people um, leading you know, by example and, and being very vocal about the way I, I feel about that. You know, no, no, Shane, go ahead. Sorry, Dario, uh, Shane, Rick Vickery here. Uh, you're talking about, this is a mission of many voices. Yeah. Uh, and you know, one of those things there is, you know, for me, myself, uh, I'm a middle-aged middle-class white guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, by no stretch of the imagination, am I ever going to pretend to understand the, the plight of, of an African-American, a minority inside of this country or, or around the globe I want to ask you about, you know, how do you feel when you do see, you know, let's say the whites, uh, that they are kind of, you know, they're there voicing their opinions almost to the point where they're almost shouting over, you know, African-Americans that are, you know, really trying to help us understand here where it is, you know, this millennial middle class, those that come from that white privilege that are trying to tell everyone else what they should think. Where do you kind of fall on that issue. I mean, it's, it's important to understand first off that, you know, it's, it's not, it's not one particular group or anything that that's doing the shouting. The issue comes in with misinformation. The issue comes in with lack of empathy and education on reality and history, right? So many people hear, um, about systemic racism and their first jump is to, well, I've had a hard life too, or I grew up poor too. And that's not, no one is debating you being poor or having a rough life. What we're debating is your rough life and your poor is not the same as ours. (laughs) what What we're saying is if everything was equal, then we, you know what I mean? We, we would each have, those same opportunities to bring ourselves up to the, the, the thing that people preach is the, well, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. And a famous Martin Luther King quote, I'm going to pair, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase is he says, that's a hell of a thing to say to a person with no bootstraps. You see what I'm saying? And to be able to explain to people that it's not just being poor. It's not just coming and living a rough life, but to actively have who you are, who you were born as, be a hindrance to your existence, to be a hindrance for you to be able to provide for your family or you know that your entire culture, history is stripped away. You don't learn about it and you actually have to go outside of anything that you can find in the public school system in the country to learn about it is a problem. When you look at school to prison pipelines and, and the fact that, you know, minority kids can get suspended and expelled at like five times the rate that their hairstyles are, are getting them are getting them suspended or not being able to graduate. You know I mean? These are cultural things, right? You, you are punishing people, for their culture, not for wrong behavior. You know what I mean? And it's 
getting people to understand that aspect, to look outside of themselves and their experience to be able to see what other people go through, right? Because we, as a nation, tend to put a rose-colored glasses slash Disneyland version of history out, and that's simply not the truth. And what you get is a lot of people, especially my age and older, and younger now too, I, I, I guess, that don't understand the gravity of the situation, that don't understand the horrifying truths that we've had to get past in this nation, because if they did, they would understand just why it's such a big deal. We've seen things really cool down since the election, and you bring up change. Clearly, there's a huge change coming for the country. The, the Donald Trump factor when it comes to racial relations has been a hot-button issue for all four years of his administration. Now mm. having Joe Biden coming in as the 46th president of the United States, as well as our first female vice president and Kamala Harris, who happens to be a woman of color. What right. do racial relations look like going forward under a Biden-Harris administration? What, how, how is your community looking at the Biden-Harris administration? Because I'm seeing some people that are praising it, and I'm seeing a lot of people that are saying they're just not doing enough. Right. I mean, and that's and again, this is going to be a, a very show and tell type of thing, obviously. Right. Like it's I'm 50 50 on it. Right. Because you hope for the best. But then you also can't can't you can't ignore the fact that both Biden and Ms. Harris have questionable, you know, decision making when it comes to how they deal with uh, the African-American commu community in, in general. Right. So there's there's hope, but I'm I'm kind of, you know, still keeping an eye out for things because just because one person is is, is gone doesn't mean the ideology and the mentality that we've seen for four years goes away, right? All this, all these four years did was put a face to it, right? All, all that did was was put an image to it. But this mentality, the the racism that we've seen, isn't new. This has been here. It's been here since our inception. It took. I'd like, I'd like to say what it did was it made people comfortable, right? For the past four years, people have been comfortable being racist in public, right? Where people have so, like for a long time, people thought, you know, oh, well, it's getting better. No, people just got quieter. It didn't get any better. You know what I mean? Um, hopefully, you know, we can we can move forward, but we can't do that until we have an honest assessment of ourselves, who we are as a nation, who we are as a society, the things that we do, the elements that 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 that, that are put in place and the policies put put in place that hinder other groups, until we have honest education and information about that, we can't move we can't move forward because people are going to continue to spin their wheels in lies and bullshit. Well, I guess that at the core of it, that's really kind of the issue. And and my question always is, in a 2021 context, when everything seems as divisive as it ever has been, regardless of who's sitting in the Oval Office, 
What does racial equality in 2021 even look like? Like, we know that there's a problem, but it seems as though nobody has any idea where to even begin to solve it. I mean, that that starts again. We can go to the schools. You know what I mean? We can stop the redlining and the gerrymandering. We can stop, you know, taking funds out of public schools, especially with it, with inner city schools and stop trying to privatize everything. Um, you're, you're doing a great disservice to people in those communities when you take away not only their funding, but their after school programs, things of that sort. If you don't give people a avenue to channel these things and opportunities, what do you think they're going to do? People are going to survive. Right. However, they however they know how. Right. So it's one thing to be like, okay, well, this is a high crime area. Okay, they're a high crime area because you took money out of schools. You limited jobs. You took away after school programs. You know what I mean? What what did you think was going to happen? You know, so if if you're going to talk to me about crime, you have to talk to me about ag economics. And if you're not going to do that then you're really just kind of missing the point, right? So the first step is education. The the second, and probably, you know, the most pressing right now is police reform and understanding how police deal with different communities. I have been a victim of it myself. You know what I mean? People come up to you and nobody really addresses. And again, this is not all police. I know I'm, 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 I'm going to hear, hear that. Well, it's not everybody. I get it, right? But- they don't address how police talk to you, right? And where I'm from, how you how you speak to people can drastically change a situation, right? So if people talk to you disrespectfully, occupation aside, man to man, I'm going to have a problem if you talk to me disrespectfully. Now, now you're in a situation where only one person has the power now, and then it's a pissing contest, but, you know, then those turn lethal because other people don't know how to react to the people that they're around, the culture. They don't understand it. They're not taught it. And and they're going off of what they see in training or what they see from someone else's perspective. Right. Um, To me, you should personally be walking before you start patrolling areas. You should have to be like in, in an area for six months plus You know what I mean? Get to know the people, get to know the culture, the neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Then when you see someone walking down the street, it's not, oh, hey, there's this scary black guy. Oh, it's it's Tyrone. Tyrone, what what are you doing out here? You know what I mean? Oh, well, this is this. Come on, man. You you, that those interactions become less lethal because there's not that fear. Right. And, And fear from both sides of the equation, but fear nonetheless. Obviously, you know, I mean holding these officers accountable for their actions. There shouldn't be any special treatment. You shouldn't get 72 hours to get your, your story straight before they investigate you. You know what I mean? You, you shouldn't be getting time to, you know, practice what you're going to say or any of these things, you know, uh, qualified immunity needs to go away completely. You know what I mean? You, you, there shouldn't have to be a precedence for you walking into my house and killing me for you to be charged for it. You know what I mean? The corruption from top to bottom just needs to go away. 
hold people accountable for their actions the same way you want to hold the, the people in these communities responsible for, for theirs. And we wouldn't have a problem, right? I mean, it's it's really no no more than just practicing what you preach and making it fair. And so many people think that if you make things fair, somehow you're making it less fair for them. And the whole time we've jazz has been saying, no, it's just out of whack, even the playing field. And we'll see what happens. Now, Shane, the kind of piggyback, you're, you're talking about the education system. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think a lot of this country's issues could be fixed if we get to basics and rebuild the education system. But uh, getting to piggyback on that, you're kind of focusing in on you know those communities, those environments. What can we do to help educate you know those in the suburbs? You know, me, I, I grew up in a white community, 99.9 Caucasian going through high school. We didn't right. get to learn about you know that heritage, the, that lifestyle, that culture. What what can we do to help educate those before we get to those points of you know conflict with the police and all that? Man, that, that that's a great question. It starts with wanting to seek that information out your, yourself, which is the hardest part, right? Because most of the time, right, what tends to happen. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it, it just kind of gets to be repetitive, right? Is you, you, you'll, have your, you'll have your black friends, right? And, and you're going to them to ask these questions, right? But everybody they, they know is asking them the same questions. You know what I mean? Right. So, it, so we kind of start repeating ourselves. And while we want to provide knowledge, we, we can't always be the go-to. Right. So you have to go and seek these things out for yourself to understand that black history in this country didn't start at slavery, that black history doesn't start at at slavery. And there are more contributors to our culture and our American way of life than just Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. Right. You you have to understand that. Right. Even growing up in school, it was. Harriet Tubman, MLK, Rosa Parks, and the I Have a Dream speech, right? They didn't teach you about Marcus Garvey. They didn't teach you about Malcolm X. They didn't teach you about Huey Newton. They they didn't teach you about Fred Hampton. They didn't teach you about so many people that are responsible for the way, for for, for where we're at in society. They don't teach you about all the doctors, all the soldiers, all the inventors, right? They don't teach you about these things. So, Learning that and understanding where we've come from and where we're trying to go is paramount, right? You know, even in entertainment, right? You're starting to see people talk about history now in shows like The Watchmen and things of that sort. They they showed um, Tulsa and, and Black Wall Street. And people are, are so so misguided on history that they can see a show like Watchmen and complain to HBO because they thought it was made up. That's a real fucking thing that happened. (laughs) Right? That's a real thing that happened. We really bombed an entire black community over bullshit. Right? And when people say, hey, well, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, we have. There was literally, and this is this has happened multiple times, right? Not just in, not just in, in Tulsa, but th- this was Rosewood. This was multiple times 
where communities were thriving, hospitals, colleges, schools, everything, grocery stores, everything that you needed to be independent and do exactly what people are saying that we should be doing as a community, and they burned it to the ground. Right? So you can understand why at this point it feels like people are just saying nonsense to a lot of minorities because it's like, we've been here, we've done this, and it still wasn't good enough. So what is good enough? You know what I mean? To bring things back together a little bit here and bring it back to ROH and really wrestling as a whole, we've seen a lot happen in Ring of Honor over the course of 2020, whether it be the speaking out movement, people wanting to talk about diversity in pro wrestling, Ring of Honor kind of at the forefront of both. As I look at the ROH roster, it very well may be the most diverse roster in all of wrestling. Currently, we have Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham as tag team champions. Gresham also holding the Pure Championship. Dragon Lee and Roosh, both brothers of Mexican nationality, holding the Television Championship and the Heavyweight Championship. As well as the three gentlemen you were originally scheduled to face at Final Battle and the Mexi Squad, the current six-man champions. How has ROH made such huge strides in diversity and it seems like the entire rest of the wrestling world is kind of lacking behind. I I think that attributes to our talent being as vocal as we are. You know, I, I've had these conversations with management about, you know, grab representation and, and what I feel that we can do going forward to sort to so, to sort of do what our, our, our ROH has always been known to do and that's be at the front of the line when it comes to innovation and um, sort of leading the way for these changes right um, I think when you have talent that cares and and they want to see these changes then that 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 has to um, that has to transfer to management, right? Um, so I am extremely happy and proud of everybody uh, that's on the roster now that understands that and is working towards that. Uh, and, and I think professional wrestling needs to understand as well that for so long, things were only one way, right? And this isn't a moment. This is not a fad. This is this is what this is, right? If everything is even and everything is equal, then you get to see who really is the best. Not just the best when it comes to who's in a box. Not just the best at, at who's buddies with who. But you get to see who the best is, and that's all. That's all anybody wants in professional wrestling or society is an even playing field. You know, I, I think it's kind of funny that you bring up some of the, the different groups and whatnot. Even the white guys are diverse. I mean, you, you got the tatted up Brody King. You got the former military man, Flip Gordon. You got the happy-go-lucky bouncers. You've got the gentleman from the UK. Hell, and then you've got Dalton Castle. Whatever the hell Dalton Castle is. You know, he, he's just kind of Dalton Castle. peacock. Yeah. So what's it like inside of the ROH locker room? What's the chemistry like in that locker room with so many different personalities? You would think that like styles would clash, right? But I I, I think, again, synergy is the key to any team, 
right? And when you have a team, it doesn't matter if it's wrestling or if it's football or any sport. If everybody has the same goal in mind, no one really cares how we get there as long as we get the goal accomplished, right? And so I think that you've got a bunch of individuals, you know, from top to bottom, male to female, uh, that know where we're going and er and everybody's sort of moving in the same direction. So, you know, again, hat hats off to them for um, the continuous work that 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 they do um, and, and what we're trying to do as a company. Now, Shane, if this inspiring conversation that we're having here, uh, I do want to ask you, you know, in professional wrestling, I always find it is at its best when it mimics real life. Uh, yeah. Do you think if they handed you a microphone and told you to go out there and, and cut this and cut this, what you've shared with us as a promo, would it, would the wrestling world be able to handle the uh, truth like this? I mean, could this be a bigger platform to really help, you know, spread this, spread this message? That's a great question. And here's the thing, right? In, in order to do that, you would have, you would have to weigh two things against each other risk and then the change, right? Speaking like that carries a lot of risk, right? Because the majority of wrestling fans don't look like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, you risk upsetting a lot of people. You risk people not un understanding, um, as, especially when you do things in a finite amount of time. There, there's a lot of room for uh, misinterpretation and things of that sort. So could I do it? Absolutely. Um, could I do my ver my very best to be clear about what I'm saying? Absolutely. At the end of the day, though, you know, it's do people want to take that risk? You know what I mean? Because I personally speak from it from a platform that I'm going to tell you the truth. You cannot like the truth. You can be upset by the truth, but you won't be upset with with me for lying. You know what I mean? Um, and if people don't like the truth, then don't ask, then don't ask me to speak. Uh, I, I would say, you know, in 2021, pro wrestling needs a major uh, fire lit under its ass. I say give give Shane Taylor the microphone and let him go here. Man, that's man. If, if, if that happens, then, yeah, watch out. <laughs> He's the man who picked a fight with Jay Briscoe and won it. In my mind, as well as the commentary team of Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, that makes you the default number one contender, my friend. Congratulations. But Shane, I, I know I've told you this before. I love watching you pick up and throw around luchadors. It's, it's one of my favorite things in all of professional wrestling. But Roosh isn't exactly a luchador. He, he's got a lucha background. What do you think? You get, right. You're going to pick him up and toss him around here pretty damn soon? I mean, here, here's the thing, right? You're, you're talking about a guy who's an international star, virtually undefeated his entire time in ROH, two-time world champion. I feel like the only match he lost was the crazy one, the PCO. But I mean, yeah, that's it's a jumper cables and a car and all kinds of shit to beat Roosh. There's nothing that's gonna really prepare you for that, right? So, just a standard bell-to-bell -bell match. The guy's been damn near untouchable. Right. So that presents a problem in itself. Then 
and I, I watched the match with Brody King. Now you've got his his brother, who I lost to last year at Final Battle, even though he used a chain to do it. Um, and now his father there, you know what I mean, um, to add to it. But the thing that I saw that I, I think was Brody's downfall was he was by himself. I'm not by myself. You know what I mean? Um, so, and I, I have every trust in the fact that uh, when and if I get my shot, that my guys will be able to negate his guys. And then it's just me and him. And I have every confidence in my ability to stand there with him like I do everybody else, stand there toe-to-toe, throw hands, and see who really wants it more. Um, because while I'm sure he is hungry and ready to cement his name at the top of ROH, he doesn't want it like I do. Thanks for doing this, man. I, I reached out to Shane and I was like, hey, this is what kind of what we want to do. And his immediate response was, hell yeah, let's do it. I appreciate the hell out of it, sir. Oh, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Shane. Incredible conversation. Very inspiring. Always happy to give you the platform, sir. Hey, 100% appreciate it. Thank you guys for doing what you do. And this is just the start of it. You know what I mean? This is, this is how... We make the change that we want to see by having these confirmation, these uh, conversations, and uh, sharing this sort of information to be able to change things from our small corner of of the world. It's unfortunate that we even have to say Black Lives Matter. I mean, if you go through history, nobody ever gave a fuck. I mean, you can kill black people in the street. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody goes to prison. But when I say Black Lives Matter and you say All Lives Matter. That's like if I was to say gay lives matter and you say all lives matter. If I said women's lives matter and you say all lives matter, you're diluting what I'm saying. You're diluting the issue. The issue isn't about everybody. It's about black lives at the moment. But the truth of the matter is they don't really give a fuck about anybody if you break the shit all the way down to the low fucking dirty ass truth. We say that black lives matter. But truthfully, they really never have. No one ever really gave a fuck. Just read your bullshit history books. But honestly, they just black. It's yellow, it's brown, it's red. It's anyone who ain't got cash. Poor whites that they call trash. They can't fuck with us. Once we realize we're all on the same side. They can't split us up. And let them prosper off the divide. They can't fuck with us. Love that guy. I absolutely love that guy. Anytime I want to actually sit down and have a real conversation about really any kind of issue, because Shane and I, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, especially when it comes to the political spectrum. But I respect him, and I think that he respects me, and we can sit down and we can have a real conversation. And that's what's really missing in this country right now, is a real conversation. 
Well, I think that was, you know, what's so inspiring about the conversation that we had there with Shane is you've got individuals from completely different backgrounds, upbringings and viewpoints. But to be able to sit down together and have a respectable exchange of, of ideas, uh, an open forum to to share your viewpoints and counterpoints, that's what we need more of. Now, going, you know, going back to what we're saying and, you know, hearing Shane talk and, and and regularly interacting, you know, with someone like Ben Hameen who, who calls to task, you know, so much of what's going on here. It, it, this is a call to everyone there to open your eyes and really see a divide that it, it isn't, you know, where you were born, what you wear, any of those things, what the color of your skin is. This is really coming down to the people, the real people of this country uh, against the hierarchy. And they want to keep that divide to keep us down. And we're getting closer and closer to that need to storm the castle. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Very, very tumultuous times as we enter 2021. But Rick, on a positive, next up, we have Festivus Miracles. Yes, we have Festivus Miracles raining down upon us because not only do we have a vaccine, Dr. Fauci himself has in fact saved Christmas. How did Santa get the vaccine? And is it safe for him to go in the house? Will Santa still be able to visit me in coronavirus season? What if he can't go to anyone's house or near his reindeer? Well, I have to say I took care of that for you because I was worried that you'd all be upset. So what I did a little while ago, I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presents. He can leave and you have nothing to worry about. Santa Claus is good to go. Yep, that's right. All by himself. Went up to the North Pole, gave Santa both shots. Santa is good to go. Santa Claus is good to go. Yeah, good to go. That's it. Rick, this was so sad to me. And and there's one aspect of it that is, you know, Fauci toting his own ego. But the, the really sad part to me is hearing these kids asking these questions. I mean, the, the kids seriously concerned. Can Santa come to my house because of the coronavirus? I mean, and they did this on Sesame Street, on fucking Sesame Street, an interview with Dr. Fauci on fucking Sesame Street. Dude, this was heartbreaking. This absolutely, uh, to be crossed the line here. Uh, again, you talk about a, a manipulation of your agenda to, to try to undermine what should be the responsibility of a parent or guardian's true leaders in a child's life uh, to, to go this route here, completely absurd. You know, and it's weird, man, because I heard this thing and I just kind of wrote it off that they're doing like TikTok training for a lot of doctors now. TikTok training. And basically what they want to do is we want to elevate the science community and the doctors to the same level that we view professional athletes. We want to turn Dr. Fauci 
into LeBron James. We want the Dr. Fauci brand to be that level to where he can just, you know, he comes out and he says something and everybody takes notice and everybody is responding. And, you know, the doctors are being paid these absorbent amounts of money because we're paying the athletes too much to begin with. So we're going to shut down all the sports leagues and then we're going to do stupid fucking bullshit like have dr fauci go out and, and restart the baseball season we're gonna have dr fauci go on fucking sesame street and start brainwashing your fucking kids into the, the science saved christmas it was all dr fauci the great dr fauci this fucking douchebag hey, absolutely I, you know it, they're looking for this this brand supremacy this brand stardom and it, all it's going to do, it's it's going to take away. And again, w- what is it doing? It's creating a more of a divide here instead of actually educating. You know, Mr. Taylor talked about it there. Reform in education. This is the exact opposite of that. Fauci did get a couple of hard hitting questions from the kids um, like, like, like these. Will the vaccine be safe and available for kids? When do you think a kid my age will be able to take the vaccine? Well, what about that, uh, Dr. Fauci, kids and the vaccine? Well, it's been an important tradition to preserve the safety of children. We're very concerned that we want to make sure we emphasize the safety of vaccines. So when you get a new vaccine, you generally want to show the safety and the efficacy in an adult population. Once you do, then you start doing trials maybe a couple of months later in the children so that you can quickly as possible get them the vaccine. So the reason why you're not hearing about our vaccinating children right now is because we want to wait a month or two. We're looking at January, we're going to start some trials in children. We'll start with children who are a bit older and work our way down so that hopefully within a few months, we'll be able to tell children what I know we'll be able to say, the vaccine is safe and effective in you, and we're anxious to get you vaccinated. So just hang in there a couple of more months, and we'll be in good shape. Yeah, Rick, they have kids asking Dr. Fauci when children should take the vaccine. I mean, come the fuck on. And Fauci's saying, you know, we, we still got testing to do, and you know, but, but we're going to have one coming for you kids so we can get back to normal. All because of Dr. Fauci. Well, let me tell you, you know, you have a little one and, and Quinn's been greatly affected by that. I mean, how long was it that she was actually in the house? Yeah. Yeah. She was in the house uh, for like, se- like seven months before we let her out. Before you guys went and did anything. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have my nephews. Let's look at the, you know, what do you, what's the average age of the, the Sesame Street audience? Probably that understand Even younger like, than that. Well, I was going to say like two to five. Right. It, probably about five, you start growing out of that Sesame Street kind of that phase. Uh, so I'll, I'll use my my nephew, Noah, who's three years old. Here's nothing about a vaccine. Here's here's what he understands. Here's Covey. Here's what Covey means to three-year-old Noah. It means that he can't go inside and eat at his favorite restaurant, Freddy's. Again, with no statistical data to back up that coronavirus is being spread in restaurants. None. 
just infuriating. Well, and, you know, unless I'm just not paying attention to him, you know, late at night, he's over there in his little rocking chair with his spectacles on and uh, he's just rocking back and forth, just worrying himself to no end to about, you know, the financial state of, of America uh, when the vaccines are going to be ready for for him and his friends can go back out and, you know, go off-roading in their power wheels. No, his life right now rotates around being able to go inside because he likes the bright colors and the ice cream that they give out over the counter and the people he interacts with and where can he get his French fries and when is he going to be efficient enough on the, on the big boy potty so he can get his Batman bicycle. And you have these assholes on Sesame Street of all platforms exploiting these children like this. You know, there was outrage not so long ago where we had what tweens speaking out about global warming and, you know, the backlash of Greta how Thumber. terrible. Yeah. How terrible those parents were that they would allow their child to be put into that situation. I mean, that inside of itself, that makes a hundred times more sense than running these younger kids out here that have absolutely no idea what's going on here to simply push it. I don't even want to see, you know, a certain political agenda. This is a selfish agenda, as you said, Jargo. This this is a try, this is a shameless self-plug for just pathetic self-promotion. Speaking of pathetic propaganda, here's what NBC had to say. Here's some some propaganda for adults instead of the Sesame Street crowd. Good evening, everyone. The FDA has just authorized emergency use of that second COVID vaccine, Moderna's, putting millions more vaccine doses into the supply chain beginning in just a few days. It comes amid concerns over whether Operation Warp Speed has been slowing, with worries some states aren't getting the allotments they were counting on. The administration tonight projecting confidence in its distribution plans and the vaccines themselves. Tom Costello has late details. Today, a dramatic move from the Trump administration to boost public confidence in a COVID vaccine. Vice President Pence, his wife Karen Pence, and the Surgeon General on camera receiving the Pfizer vaccination. History will record that this week was the beginning of the end of the coronavirus pandemic. President-elect and Dr. Biden should receive their vaccinations next week. Since President Trump recently recovered from COVID, the White House says he will get the shot when his medical team recommends it. But tonight, at least 27 states are expressing frustration, claiming the administration is cutting their promised Pfizer vaccine allotments for next week by up to 40 percent. Where are our doses? I'm angry because this virus is raging on in this country. We're certainly frustrated that we won't be receiving the amount that we expected in the first wave. At first, the Trump administration suggested Pfizer shipments were delayed. But Pfizer responded, no shipments containing the vaccine are on hold or delayed. We have millions more doses sitting in our warehouse, but as of now, we have not received any shipment instructions for additional doses. The government insists it's shipping what's available. We'll work to clear up any misunderstanding they've got, uh, uh, but, but, uh, but it's really just a miscommunication between the governors and us. Health experts say this is no time for miscommunication. We should not have doses sitting around waiting for instructions. 
Uh, more than 200,000 Americans are getting infected every day. Three, 4,000 Americans are dying every day. We've got to get these vaccines out. One, two, this week, nearly 3 million Pfizer doses shipped. Another 2 million should ship next week. Plus 5.9 million doses of the new Moderna vaccine, more than doubling the vaccine doses available. We likely will see shots in the arm by the very early part of next week. I would hope Monday or Tuesday. Also tonight, a third person in Alaska has suffered a serious allergic reaction to the Pfizer vaccine treated in the ER and released, as millions report no serious side effects. Lester? All right, Tom, thank you. And while it'll be months before most people are vaccinated, the here and now of this pandemic continues to close in on us. Another daily record for infections and no available ICU beds in the densest part of California. That means, listen to this, it means more than 27 million people don't have access to an ICU bed if needed. And now the rush for Christmas testing is on. Miguel Almaguer has more. This is what it looks like when hospitals reach a breaking point. Tonight, Central California joining the southern end of the state in crisis. No open ICU beds for a region home to more than 27 million people. Yeah, Rick, so we got two problems here. We've got number one, we've got the allergy issue that is starting to pop up. And number two, well, we had a Pfizer shortage. But now Moderna is coming to the rescue. We're going to double the doses because we've got the Moderna vaccine coming. It's so much better than Pfizer because you know Pfizer really dropped the ball. The supply was way down. Never mind the fact that Dr. Fauci basically owns fucking Moderna. Check out the, the fucking stock portfolio. Yet yeah, no coincidence that there just happens to be a Pfizer vaccine, even though the Pfizer people say we got warehouses of this shit just waiting to go. But, you know, something has been lost in translation. But here comes Moderna to the rescue. Oh, yeah. And, and one of their biggest stockholders is Dr. fucking douchebag Anthony goddamn Fauci. Well, again, you know, follow the trail, follow the paper trail, and, and you're going to figure out whatever they are pounding their chest about, whatever they are proclaiming, you follow that trail and you'll find out where the dirty money lies. You'll find out who is in bed with who. And it just goes back to what we have been screaming for weeks. You know, we'll share our opinion. We're not necessarily saying it's right for everyone, but we've been encouraging everybody out there, go do your own research. Figure out what is best for your situation. You know, we've exchanged, Jerry, you've been very adamant. You're not going to take this vaccine. You're worried about what it could potentially do and manipulation, just not your own, but just human DNA well, all around. And, and to be clear for new listeners, I am open to the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is an actual vaccine that is being developed. Uh, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, the mRNA vaccines shove them directly up your ass. That's, that's my take on it. Well, and, and, you know, as, and on that counter to that, you know, I had, I agreed with, you know, your, which you, the, the research that you shared with us. Uh, but in my mind, it, it was the, the risk was worth the reward. Just simply if it was, if it could help me out because of family situations with, with my stepmom and her COPD with, you know, my grandmother and, and her health issues there, but then actually doing the research, diving into all these different types here, it turns out going and getting one of those could absolutely kill me with my autoimmune disease. 
or issues. I hate calling it a disease. Issues. The you're, you're speaking to the allergy part of the NBC report. Uh, well, I mean, this goes beyond an allergy, right? But but they are flat out saying now. If, if you are prone to allergic reactions, if you have any kind of an autoimmune disease, maybe we should talk about you taking the vaccine. And if you are going to take the vaccine, make sure that you are like at a hospital where they have, you know, access to certain things like, you know, epinephrine in case something goes terribly wrong. Uh, exactly right. Uh, is what we're seeing and hearing, and you're hearing it from your medical professionals, and they're right here, that you're going in, during most first phases of when you're dealing with these vaccinations and shots like this, you might experience those symptoms. Uh, it, it might send your system into shock. Now, somebody that's dealing with uh, a serious autoimmune disease or issue, it, you might not be able to handle that shock. It, it could be system overload, game over. Well, it's like we all saw the fainting nurse, right? We, we, we saw the chick, who one of the first people to get the shot, and, and then she ends up fainting during the press conference. And now it's come out that she is actually known to faint whenever she experiences pain. Like, this, this is a, a long-time thing that she has been battling. So why in the fuck was she picked? Why was she the one that they put and gave the vaccine to and then put on national TV? You think that shit wasn't set up? Oh, yeah. By the way, that was the Pfizer vaccine. The Moderna vaccine won't do that to you. Nope. Nope, make sure you go get that Moderna vaccine. Dr. Fauci got to get paid. Well, I was going to say, you, you answered your own question there. Why was she picked? <laughs> yeah, I, It's just, it's infuriating to watch him do this shit right in front of your fucking face, you know? And, and, and the problem is, you're right. Like, 99.9% of Americans, they just don't care. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Fauci was smart in, you know, his stock investments. And it's like, no! Like, look at, look at this! Really? It, 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 there is there is a serious issue, and we do need to be standing up for and trying to support our medical professionals. They're absolutely overwhelmed by no fault of their own because of the manipulation of, of these different agendas and what they are trying to push and, and this divide that they have created. Who's feeling this? The effects of this full force are those on the front line. Absolutely. And they're getting lost inside of this, you know, they're, and they have found themselves somewhere in the middle where they're just asking for help. And those cries, that voice is being, is being lost because of, again, this divide that's being created between, you know, are we being manipulated or should we fall in line? Thankfully, we still have our essential workers working out there on the front lines. Like Governor Gavin Newsom, let's get another poll update. All right, all right, all right. Well, you're fine looking. Ladies and gentlemen out there, don't forget your, to tip your bartender charity. Right now, we're going to welcome to stage number two. It is the lovely Cherry Bomb. Douchebag, Huckleberry, let's talk some HTM Sports. 
I, I know it was a big night for the state of Ohio last night as the Cincinnati Bengals hand those hated Pittsburgh Steelers their third loss in a row, 27-17. Rick, 14 and a half points was the Vegas spread on this thing. This is the largest upset for the Steelers since 1966. With this loss, the Steelers fall all the way to the three seed in the AFC. More importantly, only one game up on the Cleveland Browns in the north. Rick, I, what the hell happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Like, I, 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 no disrespect to the Bengals, but the Steelers stunk the place out on Monday Night Football. Well, I don't. First of all, I don't know what you're talking about. A big night. Let, let's talk about a big. Uh, you know, beyond big, a magnificent weekend for football here in the tremendous, the great state of the OHIO. I mean, we're talking collegiate and pro. This, we were the whole show. You know, you got the Buckeyes claiming a, a spot in the college football playoffs under so much scrutiny and debate. But hey, they were looking for the best teams. They absolutely got one of those in the Buckeyes. But it just wasn't about the Ohio State this weekend. You know, there was another ESPN crew in town with another team that was in the conversation for the potential, you know, a spot in those playoffs. It was the University of Cincinnati. Nowhere else did they have that. You want to talk about a 14 and a half point spread being a big spread? Could you imagine what the spread would be for Alabama versus Cincinnati? That's that's besides the point we've got here. 30? We are talking. We're talking about Would it be a thirty point the spread. Un, the undeniable top dog state when it comes to college football. It is the state of the the OHIO. Two teams up there in the conversation. Two teams that that are just not going to be a part of the New Year's Six. They're going to be actually playing on New Year's Day. And that inside of itself, a hell of an accomplishment. Then you got the Browns going out and, and looking looking great. Looking like a team, a 10-win team. Sunday night football, the bright lights, picking up a big win over the Giants. Lowly Giants, but still, the Browns looking great. Bright lights on Sunday night football. And then, yes, Jarga, you are right. The Cincinnati Bengals, the lowly Cincinnati Bengals. Two wins. Down and out without their their young franchise quarterback, shocking the world, beating the Steelers twenty seven to seventeen, and, and probably one of the more pathetic outings that we have seen from the Steelers in in a long, long time. Insane, insane, and now they're only one game up on Cleveland. One game up, and if you are looking at this, if you're the Steelers, you're Steelers nation, you've got to be in a panic mode. You've got to be reeling right now. Well, yeah, the Browns have the Jets. The Steelers have the Colts next week. And um, then a head-to-head collision. And then a head-to-head collision. In um, Cleveland. I, I know I would rather be playing the Jets than the fucking Colts right now. Guarantee you that. Absolutely. And, you know, I know a lot of people, well, you know, Colts got that win. They got a little momentum. Uh, I think you see them return back to, you know, what what they are. Not if this uh, Steelers team shows up. If this Steelers no, team no, shows no. up. No, no, no. I mean the Jets. The Jets, I'm saying. Oh, Sorry. oh yeah. I, yeah, I thought yeah, when I, when I was yeah. thinking back to what I said, I thought I said Colts. I mean, I mean the Jets. So I think yeah, if you're Cleveland, you're feeling good. But, hey, you can't have a letdown right now. And, and that's what's most important. And that's what we're learning from the Steelers. You know, they came out of the gate there 11-0. and 0, 
looking magnificent. This is not the time of the year that you have a breakdown. This is not the time where you go into skid mode. It's crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. Um, you, you mentioned the Jets win over the Rams 23-20. to This throws the NFC into a complete disarray because now the Rams fall all the way to the five seed. Seattle takes control in the West. We still have Washington at the four seed at six and eight. Best case scenario, the winner of the NFC East will be a 500 football team. Six and eight Washington, five and nine Cowboys, five and nine Giants, four, nine and one Eagles. The entire division stinks. Rick, what do you make of the NFC title picture? Because last week we were talking about the Rams might be, you know, the scariest team in the NFC. All of a sudden, they they get whopped by the Jets. Hey, it's, you know we're, we're talking about you, you, any you know any given Sunday. Yeah, but damn, any, any given game day. But as we're just talking about with the Steelers, this is not the time of year that 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 applies. And especially a, a down and down and out lowly team like the Jets, when you have got so much on the line, the stakes could never be higher here for the the Rams trying to bounce back after a very disappointing you know season last year. Two years ago, this team is in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and now, you know, they're knocking on the door. People are high on them. They, they could get right back there. A lot of people anticipating, we talked about it, how high the league would be on a, a rematch there in the NFC Championship game, in the New Orleans Saints, the Los Angeles Rams, all the drama that went down that, that, that last meeting there. You're talking bet. about a dream matchup for the, you know, and then the, the questionable finish. Yeah. You ended up having New Orleans, one of your major markets, and it was felt when they boycotted the Super Bowl because of the outcome of that game. It's freaking crazy. Yeah, yeah you, and you know they would pull from those storylines. Oh, it, it, that'd be everywhere. For the I mean, that is, that is your, your network, your advertising, your everybody, your, your marketing dream to get back there. And then here we go. The Los Angeles Rams go out there and completely lay an egg against the New York Jets. I don't know who who's been more upset about really this the outcome of this game. The Rams fans because that they have fallen out of the lead in the division down to the the five seed, uh, and you've got teams knocking on the door trying to grab that positioning. Uh, so that there's still some fights going on there in the NFC. Or is it the New York Jet fans? They could potentially now have played themselves out of the number one pick. Well, this is what I don't understand. Evidently, the tiebreaker comes down to strength of schedule. So, like, you know, the one aspect that the team absolutely has zero control over, that's the tiebreaker. Like, I thought it was conference wins, in which case the Jets would still be the one because they beat the Rams, which are in the NFC. The Jaguars have a win in conference. Strength of schedule? Doesn't that seem weird to use as the tiebreaker? It does. I mean, why don't we just do a coin flip? That's how out of, out of nowhere that seems here. Uh, but even inside of that, though, I mean, you have stumbled a little bit. You have given the Jaguars breathing room. Yeah. Gardner Minshew is freaking the fuck out right now. If you are Trevor Lawrence, would you rather be uh, heading to the the Empire State or would you rather be all elite? Ooh, Trevor Lawrence is all elite. I could get behind that. That's a hell of a marketing campaign. I could I could see that. I like it. I like it. 
Huckleberry, let's talk a little bit of NBA. NBA tip-off Tuesday. We're just a couple of hours away as we record this from the NBA tipping off. Two games tonight, Warriors at Nets. So you have Steph Curry and company coming to, to, to ruin Kevin Durant's grand return to the NBA. So that's, that's a fun little storyline. And then you have the battle for Los Angeles on tip-off Tuesday. Clippers at Lakers, as if it matters who, who the home team is, because there's not going to be any fans in the Staples Center. Um, what do you think? I, I, I kind of like the Warriors tonight on the road. And, of course, I'm going with the Lakers over the Clippers. I was say, you know, I still think there is a little bit that holds with with the home court, which is the mystique, and a, a little bit of the pride there. I mean, when they behind. play in the same building, you know, yeah, I, I, I I get that, I get that, but you know, when the colors are represented, yeah. uh, there's just something there to me. Well, it, you know, it, it it's a little bit of pride, and it's you don't if you're the Lakers, you don't want to lose when it's your colors on the floor. I think it means a little more for the Clippers to get that win when the Lakers colors are on the floor. Yeah, I'm sure the the Clippers would love to ruin, you know, the hoisting of the banner and whatnot. Absolutely, and you, what what better team that's more fitting here? And if you're the NBA, it, you're kind of kind of rooting for that. Uh, you talk about those great stories, those pro wrestling s stories that you want to be able to to tell throughout the season. You've got that set up here. This is this is a hell of a tip off for the NBA. These these ratings are going to be interesting, and the build towards it to just see. The stories, and uh, you know how. What's the payoff in their marketing campaign up to this point, up to tip-off night? A lot of people surprised that they're not doing Clippers and Lakers on Christmas Day. Here is your rundown of Christmas Day games: Pelicans at Heat. So you get Zion on national TV immediately against the the defending Eastern Conference champions. Warriors at Bucks. So Steph Curry versus Giannis. That should be fun. We have Kyrie making his return to Boston, where you can bet that he's going to sage the court before the game actually starts. Mavericks at Lakers. The Luka Doncic show makes its way to Los Angeles. And then you have a rematch from last year's playoffs as the Clippers go to Denver. Rick, are you going to watch any of these games? Is NBA on Christmas part of your equation? I can say, you know, it it certainly is. Uh, it's not something that 100% tuned into, but it, it, it's something that's it's, it's on at each at each destination is making the rounds, which is going to be altered this year as, as the families have decided to, you know, to kind of scale back on the festivities. Uh, but yeah, obviously you want to see what these teams are going to bring that this is it's fresh. It's the start of a new year They're It's part of the holidays, right? It's, it's, it's hope for all. The, the other big story coming out of the NBA this week. And I wanted to talk to you about this one because I know that you are also a fan of the Seattle supersonics and Rick. It sounds like Adam silver might be open to it for the first time. Adam silver Actually discussing the possibility of expansion. Of course, Seattle would be at the top of that list. The last expansion team in 2002. What do you think? Is expansion good for the NBA right now? Yeah, I'm working under the assumption across the board. Less is more right now. Opening it up and and let more in. You're going to continue to dilute your product. It's great for those markets, of course. Is can we make just make a move? Is there a market that's struggling? 
that necessarily doesn't doesn't need to be in the NBA. Well, of course, there was almost the Clippers almost moved to Seattle before they ended up buying the Forum and, and getting all of that land. They're going to build their own arena there now. Steve Ballmer has a lot of ties to Seattle. He actually tried to buy the Sonics way back in the day. If you want to go on YouTube, there's a great documentary called Sonics Gate all about how uh, basically the local and state governments there completely screwed the pooch on that entire deal, as well as the dirty dealings with Oklahoma City. Um, but I, I think what they really want here is a true expansion team. And the logic I am hearing for this is the NBA has lost so much revenue over the course of the last two years between the China deal and the coronavirus deal that they may be open to expanding to two markets simply because of the buy-in to actually get into the league. It's a way for the league to actually make up that revenue that they have lost out on. That's kind of why I think this is being kicked around all of a sudden. That, that makes that does make perfect sense. You know, you're looking at ways here to to grow an audience. I guess I, I just worry about the longevity of that. I agree. Sure, you're getting that that initial injection of cash flow, and that's just not from the buy-in from the investors, from the cities, whoever's involved with putting together those marketplaces. Or you're going to have a surge with, you know, through merchandise, uh, like just so much that goes into play there. But what is your longevity? What is the shelf life behind that before you kind of have a backlash where you kind of regret making one of those moves? You know, I think the other thing is, too, is the Kraken. I, I think Seattle getting an NHL team. I think the NBA is really starting to feel the pressure that they need to get back into that market, and they need to do it now before the Kraken really grab a hold of that fan base. Because, let's face it, the NHL and the NBA basically run parallel of one another. You're Those are the two leagues that are in direct contention against one another you don't want Seattle with that rabid fan base grabbing onto the Kraken rather than the Sonics. Now, play a little devil's advocate here. If you are the Kraken, you are that ownership group. Are you fighting the NBA? I don't know. That's a good question, too. That's a good question. Uh, did I tell you I ordered a Kraken jersey? Very nice. I love you those fucking jerseys, man. I like the, the color scheme is great. I love hockey. Got me one. Got Carly one. I uh, I, I I like the liquor. Well, Huckleberry, before not, we not Carly the the, the drink. <laughs> yeah, good, good thing we got the clarification there. Um, Rick, I guess before we close out the show today, um, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas, man, because I I don't know if I'm going to talk to you again uh, necessarily before Friday. I'm sure that we'll actually talk over text and whatnot, but I don't know if we'll actually you know be speaking face to face through thousands of miles in a computer, but uh, I wanted to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Um, I, and I, man, I'm happy that we're doing this. You know, I, I, there was some apprehension when we, we started doing the hitting the marks podcast, when we made the change over from the pro wrestling podcast, it's been a crazy 2020 man. And this is kind of like, you know, the big show of the year. So I just wanted to say, you know, th thanks for agreeing to do this goddamn show again. And, uh, it, it's been a hell of a lot of fun thus far. I'm looking forward to 2021 and Merry Christmas and all that happy horse shit. Well, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, obviously the, the celebration of Festivus here for us, uh, always a special time but to uh, 
the, the same sentiment right back to you for you and the family for the holidays. I hope all the kids and, and Carly have a, a tremendous experience. Uh, if you guys celebrate your Christmas together there, at, there in Iowa, uh, and you're right. And as we continue to grow, we continue to evolve here with the, uh, the hitting the marks podcast and, and really finding our way. I think, you know, this is episode eight. And as we're getting ready to turn the page here, I, I think nine and beyond as we go into 2021, uh, I just seen us continue to grow, we're expanding our audience, expanding the platforms that you can find us on. Uh, it's something exciting. Really looking forward to get going into the new year. Uh, I think we both found a lot of new energy. Uh, it's it's just it's it's a growing experience uh, marketing the show where we're not really such a, a niche like professional wrestling that that's a little bit of a struggle reaching those new audiences. But uh, I'm faithful that we're getting it together. Uh, one of the things that we've never been knocked on is the rapport between us, the back and forth, the the, the brotherhood, the flow of the show. And hey, what better time here? We're going to be sharing. We've got uh, holidays. It's the Hitting the Marks holidays. We're going to be coming at you with some different sound bites starting on Christmas Eve through the first. So if you, if you see those out and about on social media, go ahead and give us a share. Help us help us spread the joy of Jargo for the holidays huh? and grow the audience. It's Dr. Jargo to you. At not Dr. Jargo. So that'll wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. Happy Festivus. All that good shit. Be sure that you follow us across all of our platforms, whether it be hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. Keep up with the show. Well, Rick, you, you just changed the Twitter. What was it now? It's, it's HTM underscore pod. Is that correct? HTM underscore pod. I have no idea what the Instagram is, or you can find us on Facebook just simply by searching the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. Uh, also, you can find us, you know, as, as a part of the Hameen Media Group. Just do a search for the Hameen Media Group on social media. And really encourage everyone to go out there and do that because right now we've got the uh, the Hameen End of the Year Awards where they're going to be recognizing programming, production, and personalities. Uh, Jargo, you're up for a couple of those. You're in the production category and the affiliated I, I saw program that. personality of the year, man. I saw that. You, you know what? There is one award that's missing, and that's a comeback podcast of the year, which I, I, I think we, we win, right? Like we're the only ones that stopped our podcast and restarted our podcast all in the course of the same year. So I'm, I'm pretty sure by default we win comeback podcast of the year. Oh, we we got something up the sleeve here. We're gonna we're gonna have a spinoff. Uh, I got we got something coming our way. Make make sure that ne- from now on in the press releases, you start putting the award winning hitting the marks podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost as legit as my doctorate. We will talk to you next week back here hittingthemarks.com. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. Happy Festivus. ボケた頭に響く目覚ましを手探りで止めたあと雪の気配始まりを告げる素敵な季節が